Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I'm a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to talk about the repercussions and all such things of the NFL draft is Chris Wilson, a fellow contributor. Chris, how are you doing this evening, sir? I am feeling a little bit better the more time I've spent in deepest of thought and meditation about the draft <laughs> and talking to John Pollard about some of the late rounders and undrafted guys we picked up. And I'm just going to start out blazing hot right here and plug last week's podcast with John, who talked about what Zebra's NFL next gen stats can tell us about our newest Niners. So yeah. anyone who hasn't checked out last week's podcast, I have no idea why you didn't, but you know, something crazy happened and then you were unable to listen, go ahead and check that out because there's lots of great stuff in there and you're really not going to want to miss it. But beyond the analytics, I was reading so many articles praising the fantastic job the 49ers did just solely based on the outcome of the two first rounders and Williams. <laughs> then all yeah. the high grades they get and pretty much every publication. Don't get me wrong, I love it when the press talks about us positively, but eventually reached my limit of the 49ers quote-unquote draft master class and all the amazing things the front office did a small amount of draft capital while glazing over the fact that the team gave away two viable starters in their honorable quest to trade away every one of their draft picks and they totally ignore the fact that the reason why they didn't have draft picks is because they traded them all away it was their own decision they're not innocent bystanders here so they're sort of portrayed as victims in the whole process where I don't think that's quite fair. And it's great if you can draft decent players with the draft picks you have, but you shouldn't get extra credit for the fact that you had few draft picks and you were able to fill, or at least hopefully fill, the team's roster holes with the draft picks that you allowed yourself to keep. But overall, the 49ers ended up with some... Nice additions, and they filled some spots, but they did it very dangerously. And some things worked out and some things didn't. 
And some things definitely need to be improved upon going forward. And I haven't really heard anybody talking about that. So in the end, I'm not so sure that the team got better and is better right now than they were when they started the offseason, but I wasn't really expecting them to be. And I definitely wasn't expecting them to trade both of their first round picks and somehow end the round with only two players and fewer draft picks over the remainder of the draft. It was definitely an interesting draft overall and for the team. And I think it was best summarized. And we might have to make a couple of screenshots of our live draft stream from that night. But just the look on our faces after each pick. First, you know, we're all pumped up about the trade back because both Judy and Lamb are still on the board. We obviously need some wideout help. And the Niners make the pick. We just tell from our faces, oh, great, just what we need. Another first-round defensive lineman. Never seen this before. <laughs> when they moved up from 31, we're saying, like, what is going on here? Like, who are they looking at? And then, oh, now they want a wide out. But you didn't need to trade up to get him. So it was yeah. quite a ride that first night and a fun one. But I'm still trying to wrap my brain around some of the front office decisions on day one. Yeah, it was for, it was for sure a, a wild undertaking uh, for draft weekend. Um, I think there was certainly some unexpected moves, as we'll get to here in a moment. We'll run down everything, all the moves that were made um, through uh, the draft weekend by the 49ers. But all said, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan drafted five players um, and really, really, really hit the trade market pretty hard um, during the entire weekend. Um, and I, I'd like to say that... I totally um, I disagree a, with you, by the way, i wrote a i wrote a piece about uh leading up to the draft about things that i predictions things that i thought were going to happen that were non like specific player related i I think i ended up like i I made five predictions and i think i ended up pretty well doing pretty well with them one of them that i said was i i set john lynch's number of trades during the weekend at three um which i said specifically was was low enough so that it seemed reasonable you did keep it reasonable or I, I think I got that right, but it was significantly higher than that. He's on that. a mission to break some records. Yeah, you know, like in the first day. Um, so let's 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 then let's let's run through all these transactions because there was a lot of them. Um, transactions and picks. There are actually, I think, were more transactions and trades that happened than draft picks when it was all said and done. Um, so we'll start at the beginning. So the 49ers started with the 13th overall pick and the 31st overall pick in the first round, and we did a face or a Facebook Live event uh, with several of the Niner Noise writers, and we got together and we were waiting, and everything was kind of moving along. Pretty normally, actually. Uh, No trades for the first 12 picks. Um, And we were actually talking about how we pretty much figured that that Lynch was going to be the one to throw a wrench into the proceedings. That it couldn't go stand this pat for the entirety of the first round. As complicated as as all the virtual meeting stuff was and all that jazz, it it was going to happen at some point. We figured Lynch was going to be the guy. And And I think he took all of the wrenches from all of (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all the wrenches from everybody basement, just, threw, just threw it at all his monitors right <laughs> because as soon as he started this that's when it kind of got kooky like as soon as he made the first trade then everybody else was like oh we can do this okay cool and then they just yeah. and then it kind of 
went crazy from there. So uh, 49ers made the first trade of the night, um, trade of the 13th overall pick and um, one of their seventh round picks because they had two coming into the draft to Tampa Bay for the 14th pick and a fourth round pick. So there was a Tampa Bay got to move up one spot and the 49ers got a fourth round pick, which is good. And Tampa got one of their other seventh rounders, which was kind of like, okay, fine, whatever. Not a, not a huge loss. Um, 49ers probably actually came out ahead on that uh, trade as, as it were. So I was with you at the time. Yeah. Not like physically, but right, right, right. Emotionally and virtually. Yes. But keeping six feet of distance at all times, <laughs> which wasn't easy for me, but <laughs> I'm a rule follower, as you know. Right. So how did you feel about the trade at the time? I mean, I think it made a lot of sense. Um, if you can get, if, if the plan was to build draft capital, then that certainly was the idea. And I think we talked about this before that a seventh round pick for a Super Bowl contending team is probably not worth that much. Um, so having two of them felt a little unnecessary, but a fourth round pick. Now there's a, comp- a conversation you can get into. And so I think all things being equal, you'd rather have a first round pick and a fourth round pick as opposed to a first round pick and a seventh round pick. And so I think that was a was a good decision. I think that's a safe assumption yes. there. Um, so then the 49ers threw the second wrench into the proceedings by not taking one of the top wide receivers in the draft, but instead opting opting to draft South Carolina defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw with that 14th pick because, as I had in our show notes here, hashtag on brand. Um, I'm pretty sure the 49ers are now required to take a defensive lineman with their first overall pick as they have done for several of the last um, pretty much what five five years in a row now is this is that where we're at now uh, between Buckner Armstead Bosa Solomon Thomas and now Kinlaw that's five years in a row uh, with defensive linemen I believe it's five out of six yeah, yeah it's a lot we can stop that by the way we really don't need to do that anymore I mean I understand it in terms of like what they're trying to build defensively like you want to keep stockpiling the defensive line and make sure that it's still a top part of your team and I know the the conversation was, well, it's fine. We were kind of hoping that the plan was not to flip Buckner for basically his exact replacement. But we'll probably talk about that more in a little bit. So moving on. When that happened, we're like, okay, cool. You know, that's a decent pick. Um, maybe it would have made more sense to to grab Jerry Judy, who went the, to the next pick to Denver, or CeeDee Lamb, who fell with a 17, I think, with Dallas. Um, it's good for them. Three picks later, Jerry's eating caviar on his yacht made of gold and diamonds. <laughs> yeah, and enjoying himself. Pristine white leather interior. He's like, CD, CD. Well, I never thought I'd get this lucky. Yeah, sure. He seems nice. Uh, so we're moving along and everything's fine. And then we get to Minnesota's pick at 25. And all of a sudden, there's another trade. And lo and behold, it's the 49ers moving up. In the first round, from 31 overall to 25 overall, they traded um, the pick that they got from Tampa, the extra fourth rounder they got from Tampa, and one of their fifth round picks. So basically, what we have now is the 49ers picking at 25 and having lost two additional picks. Um, With that selection, they took Arizona State wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, leaving them without a day two pick. But the problem is, is now they don't have any way to get back into the festivities on Friday um, because they traded away pretty much all their draft picks. So Friday, we're all just kind of sitting around and twiddling our thumbs and doing nothing because there's the thought was barring any kind of like major player trade. There's they don't they're or if they start throwing away, you know, draft picks for next year, it's just not they're not getting day two picks. It's just not going to happen. 
Then day three happened. The wildness that was day one just continued. So the first thing that happened is the 49ers traded for former Redskins left tackle Trent Williams uh, for a fifth round pick and a third round pick in 2021. Um, And then right on the heels of that comes the announcement that longtime Niners tackle Joe Staley has retired. Um, We would now like to take a moment of silence for Joe Staley and his retirement. Thanks, Joe. Joe's the greatest, and uh, we're going to miss him, and hopefully he'll be back with the team, and I think he'll be around them. Um, The only team that he uh, played for, I think he'll be a part of the organization moving forward. But it is nice to to move from a Pro Bowl left tackle directly into another Pro Bowl left tackle. That's that's a nice switch. Initially, this one wanted a little less money in the future and was a little more healthy. But yeah, when he's on his game, he is, at this point in his career, younger and, and better than Staley is. And this is not going to be a very <laughs> popular comment, but when Staley first came out, I wasn't quite sure about him just because he didn't really have the measurables. I mean, obviously he had like the speed he's like a tight end, mm-hmm. but he didn't have the arm length. He's obviously an athletic guy and he's a fun guy. Right. But I wasn't really sure he was going to, actually I was pretty sure that he was not going to end up as a elite potential Hall of Fame left tackle. And he totally proved me wrong. I, I thought he was a guy who they'd eventually just switch to the right side and they'd be done with it. But forever in my heart will be that run from the 2012 playoffs that just brought us back to legitimacy where he was out in front of Alex Smith on that a sweep to the outside. And there are not a lot of tight ends who can make that play. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And uh, Staley had no problem just yeah. plowing through and, and Alex Smith went untouched and of course then had to come back again. But yeah, that, that was a, a glorious football game and Staley will always had that spot in my heart. But that was the first thing that happened on this day and more things were to come. Um, the next thing that came was... <laughs> we hate all of our draft picks. So we'll trade them all. Apparently. Uh, the next thing that came was a uh, not surprising move, but still a, a kind of a sad one. Um, not as sad as Joe, Ta- Joe Staley retiring, but uh, the Niners traded running back Matt Breida to the Dolphins to get back into the fifth round. At that point, they didn't have any any fifth round picks because they traded their only other one to the Redskins after having given one to Minnesota earlier. And so they got back into the fifth round. Yeah. Remember that fifth round pick we used to have two days uh, ago? Remember, that we, no, we had two of them. Traded away great. for fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they traded it to the Dol- uh, traded breed of the Dolphins, got back a fifth round pick, um, and drafted offensive tackle Colton McKivitz out of West Virginia. He, as I noted, played tackle in college, but figures based on his measurables and athleticism and those sort and those sorts of numbers to actually join the fray as a possible starter at right guard and interior lineman in some way, shape, or form. But with the new CBA rules stands a pretty good chance to not only make the roster, but be a a fairly major contributor as well. But um, Lynch wasn't done as he left. No, he had now that the, the Brita one was a little bit surprising because there wasn't a lot of conversation about it, but the next trade that happened was absolutely not surprising at all. He traded a wide receiver Marquise Goodwin to the Eagles for essentially something that amounted to a pick swap in the sixth round. Fleeced them on Um, that one. I think it moved them up like 20 picks from where they were. So the Eagles had, had to pick 20 slots ahead of them or something like that. I think it was for a container of Pringles. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe a mini bag of Taco Bell Doritos. The ones I don't like. Ooh, that sounds good. Yep. That's about it. That's all yeah, I got. Nice. Dorito. Yeah. Something like that. Remember back when he was almost elite? Yeah, almost. Oh, um, well. and, and this was not surprising because 
Lynch had said earlier at the beginning of the week that they were looking for a home for Marquise Goodwin. Um, Negotiation so, 101. Uh, wish uh, Marquise best of luck as long as he's not playing the 49ers. There we go. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a big Marquise fan, and I'll keep telling you every one of these podcasts how much I liked him after he was misused in Buffalo, and I saw great things for him. And Actually, instead of talking about it every week, at the end of the description of the podcast, I'll throw a link up to the film piece I did on Niner Noise about Goodwin right after we acquired him and how he was severely misused in Buffalo, like all receivers. Maybe this will be the beginning of my redemption tour after my major Staley scouting mistake. (laughs) But I think Marquise still has a lot of room to develop as a wideout. He did not run a lot of routes for Buffalo because those are back in the days. I think I've talked about this before where Buffalo just didn't know how to coach wide receivers. That's a problem, man. This little guy, we're going to keep him within three yards of the sideline at all times, which that's a good strategy. And he's going to run like two routes and that's it. And then I'm like, wait, but like the four or five times you let him run like real routes, like he's like taking hits over the middle. And I'm like, he's got a little bit of a hands problem, but he's also got a, Olympic track speed problem for the other teams. So <laughs> it is a shame. And I, I know he's going through some personal issues and the way that the media is just not touching on it, I believe it to be something serious. And I'm not saying that the things that they've disclosed are not serious. Those are extremely serious. I can only imagine, but I'm pretty sure that a lot of the members of the media have a better idea of what's going on. And they are showing him the respect of keeping that quiet. And I respect them for that. And I just hope that we can continue having him as an explosive player in the NFL, except when he's playing us, of course. And maybe one day he can collect on that million dollars that he's still owed for that race that he had last year. <laughs> so, Marquise, you shall be missed by many Niner fans, including myself. Yeah. And there goes yet another 11 jersey. Well, you can replace it. You can just get some duct tape because Ayuk apparently is going to wear 11. So there you go. Yeah, but it's like I've already done that once. So it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a Quentin Patton jersey? Is that what you're telling me? Oh, no. no. Yeah, older. Older. <laughs> oh, okay. Alex Smith. Okay, great. Um, good deal. <laughs> Nobody had a Quentin Patton jersey, man. Come on. <laughs> I'm sure somebody did. His mom probably did. This is coming from a guy who wears a puncher's jersey. <laughs> with <laughs> with that sixth round pick, uh, the 49ers drafted uh, tight end Charlie Warner out of Georgia, who looks to be a more than adequate replacement for Levine Toilio. Low, 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 low. There we he go. Took it to a whole new level. I like it. Ah, there we go. Um, that was probably the last time he'll be mentioned here, so I had to really push it. Um, and uh, might might offer a little bit more as a pass catcher. He didn't really have a lot of opportunities at Georgia to catch the ball. Um, I don't think he had more than 11 catches in any one of his seasons at, at, at Georgia, but you know, we've seen this before and I'm not trying to say that he's Kittle esque in any way, shape or form, but I'm saying that his lack of production in college doesn't necessarily mean that he couldn't turn it into a decent uh, receiver in the pros, but he's a blocker. Um, if you want some fun, go check out some Charlie Warner Georgia blocking videos. He just like pancakes people. Um, so hopefully what that means is that George Kittle can be out catching passes on important pass plays as opposed to blocking. But anyway, still too soon. Man. Um, the 49ers then had one more draft pick. They took Tennessee wide receiver uh, Juwan, Juwan Jennings in the seventh round. Um, fun fact about uh, Jennings is he led um, 
the uh, NCAA, uh, at least the, the the bowl championship series uh, groups um, in broken tackles. Or was he second? In the, yeah, in I think the, he was first. I think no, he was the leader um, in broken tackles. Yeah, he had thirty broken tackles on fifty-seven catches. I believe is the number. Um, so, which means he broke a tackle on on more than half of his of his uh, um, receptions. And he he does it basically by just hitting the the truck stick is basically <laughs> the way that he does it he's just he's not particularly fast um he just or you know quick or, or speedy or anything like that he just sort of runs people over um he could certainly be sort of a jalen Hurd insurance policy type thing um there's similar things going on with the two of them i think Hurd's a little bit more um a little more of an athlete than than Jennings is, but there certainly is um, there are some similarities between the two of them in terms of like where they might factor in on the team. They both seem like those sort of quote unquote big slot types, um, where you put them in against much smaller cornerbacks and and let them uh, see what happens. But he's definitely adds to the uh, the cadre of of players on this team who who basically refuse to be tackled, um, which I like that strategy. Like if your if your strategy is don't let the other team tackle us i'm all for that i think his elusiveness rating would be like 10 <laughs> and then his like power truck stick rating would be like 95 yeah just overall he's quite good at running people over and he seems yeah. to enjoy it a lot so i like that yeah um so uh taking a quick look at the mock draft that we did in our last episode um so <laughs> is that your analysis of this well yeah of course how do you see it i i uh see it differently um we got exactly zero of the players correct i thought we were grading um, a curve which you know probably pretty normal um but i think minus cornerback we did a pretty good job of isolating the positions of need and the directions that the, the team was going to go now they ended up only picking five players when they had six although you could probably make an argument that they had a sixth draft pick although it was somebody who was a seven year veteran in the nfl in trent williams so, Chris, any general responses to the draft, to uh, any of the moves that the Niners made, anything like that that you want to bring up before we move on to the next thing? Yeah. Um, like I said, we killed it on our mock draft pod. Every prediction was exactly on point for every pick. And Lynch obviously listened to that. And maybe that's something to do with our numbers that have been increasing lately. And that's in no way a humble brag. It's just a straight up brag. Total flex. <laughs> But yeah, he just decided to trade away all of his picks to make sure that we were wrong. You want me to get into the likes and dislikes here? Sure. All right. I liked adding an electric wideout for year one, not necessarily day one, because I don't think he's going to start day one. Maybe as a return man, special teams guy, and you know, gadget player. I think a best case scenario for him is to follow the Debo route where he gets acclimated to the pro game and then he by midseason is becoming a force and a player that opposing teams need to game plan against and having him on one side and Debo on the other side could be dangerous and he actually might have both of them on the same side depending on how many of their 45 slot receivers are able to play this year but He's definitely going to have to learn how to beat press coverage because he's strong, but he's going to have a hard time on the outside against cornerbacks who are really versed in press coverage. So 
So he's a guy that you're going to have to play at C or in the slot because you do not want him to be pressed off the line. You want him to make moves, get off the line. He's really quick, really, really fast, 10 yard. And he's got what I consider and what many people consider a lot of great combine measurables and that he's got super long, crazy arms that Lynch just can't stop talking about. (laughs) And, you know, just talking about how throw a ball that's like way over his head and suddenly his six is his foot. Like 33 and a half inch arms or something? Yeah, it's like an 81 inch wingspan. So that's, yeah, it's long. Yeah. Yeah. So see, he is a man of large arms, hand size a little bit under 10. He's a four or five guy at the 40, but he has exceptional vertical jump at 40 inches and an exceptional broad jump at 128 inches like we spoke about last week that those are the two most important combine drills and characteristics for a wide receiver so he can snatch the ball out of the air his 11 bench presses weren't that exciting but he plays a little bit tougher in the field and from edwards who coaches over there at asu he obviously used to coach lynch and Apparently, just talked him into uh, into drafting him. So mm-hmm. um, this was apparently you know, Lynch pulling his best Shanahan impression and having to trade up for absolutely no reason to to get the many likes. So I guess this is just like a thing that happens in the Fort Niners now. They they choose the guy that they want and then they just roll with him, and it doesn't matter whether they give up to get him because they need him. And so far, that has not worked at all. <laughs> so I don't know if. Shanahan really is the wide receiver whisperer that his buddy Chris Sims claims him to be. But if he's able to hit on this pick, it's two picks in a row (laughs) where he found a wide receiver that excelled. But if he goes back to his old ways, then maybe finally they'll learn their lesson and stop doing this. So as far as how you player, overall, I like him as a pick, but I did not like the process in which they picked him because there's absolutely no reason for them to move up to take him and waste valuable draft capital, which ended up being star players on the Niners from years ago. Well, not, not, not even that many years ago, like two years ago, but you know, two of the better starters over the last two years, and they just threw him away. Or nothing basically so you really have to look at this as a we're getting this wide receiver and then we're giving away the 31 pick and the ability to trade back for more draft capital and probably still get our guy <laughs> as well as trading burrito and trading goodwin so it's a situation where if it works out who cares right and if it doesn't work out then he's not gonna look very smart sure but like i said we don't know at this point, it's not the way I would have done it, but they have yet to call me up to ask me to do it. Yeah, for sure. Not me either. I definitely see what you're saying. And and I think there is a certain tendency, and we've talked about this before, for the the team. And it's hard to tell if it's the Shanahan or Lynch or both kind of collectively or what the deal is. But they certainly find guys that they that they like. Um and that they move around to to kind of make that happen, and that happened with um, with 
Dante Pettis a couple of years ago. Um, it happened with Joe Williams in their first draft um, so far and still the only running back that they've taken in the actual draft itself um, with the 49ers. So, and that didn't work out, but then you, um, you know, they were able to, to, to stand Pat and, and grab, grab Debo where it was. Now for what it's worth, apparently the conversation is that the, the Packers were in interested in, in Ayuk as well. Um, and so there's some conversation that's that they were, um, interested in, in moving up to get him as, uh, instead. And so the 49ers thought that jumping them, jumping ahead of where they were was the, the direction to go. So as you say, um, if he turns out to be a great player and he helps them be a great team and they win the Super Bowl or something like that, they're going to be like, eh, draft capital, who cares? Um, and some of it is pure dumb luck. And you you, you take an opportunity to, to grab a guy that you think is going to get the job done and, and he doesn't. And you, you just never know. And some of this analysis will not be, will, won't be able to make for, for several years, right? Um, and you really shouldn't be, but we're going to anyway. Right, for sure. Take it. <laughs> hard to say like i can sit here right now and say devo samuel was a, a a great selection but we also were having that same conversation about dante pettis this time two years ago mm-hmm. and he lost his mind and now doesn't seem to be in the team's future at all um so who knows i i have no clue i was thinking the exact same thing at the end of the weekend looking out of their first draft all oh, these two great fifth rounders and one ended up being a great fifth rounder and then the other one gets injured all the time. I mean, he had a great first year. And, you know, we thought great things were going to come from Pettis this last season. And most of the things came from, like, cat videos. I think there are some important differences between, like, Samuel and Pettis, particularly. <laughs> yeah, Samuel's not going to deal with that. <laughs> He's, well, it's not, a, and, you know, the, we joke about the cat thing, but there is a there is a different demeanor. I joke about the cat thing, and you cringe every time I do it. <laughs> and keep doing it until you... <laughs> and then I'll stop. <laughs> there is a different demeanor to these two players. Like Debo is a one type of guy and and Dante is another type of guy. And it doesn't mean that both of them couldn't be successful. It's just that Debo's demeanor seems to suggest a guy that's going to continue to to maintain success whereas Dante something didn't click there. And and, and look who knows? Maybe he's having a great offseason right now and he's going to come in and becomes a part of this team. I fully expect at this point that barring some sort of trade that they're not going to cut him at this point before the season starts. I think he's going to be on the team, whether or not he's like the last receiver <laughs> on the on the depth chart. He really has no value because right. of what the team's done with him. Just Correct. like Brita, just like Goodwin. Yeah, they're not going to trade him for anything at this point because teams are just going to be like, look, after this year, he only has one more year left on a deal. If the Niners want to leave him on the sideline, that's their prerogative. Or they can dump him and you know lose some money and that sort of thing, but we're not going to give him any draft capital for you. So we can just get rid of Beathard. <laughs> uh, another conversation for another time. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think <laughs> I'm totally with you. I like the moves overall, and I think um, the bigger argument for me is that, as we've discussed, I don't know how much of an infusion of more bodies this team needed. Um, obviously you need to get to 90 men for the off season workouts and da, 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 da. But as far as people who have like legitimate shots of making this team, um, I, I don't know that drafting a, an extra draft pick in some other round would have made a massive difference. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just sort of, uh, the way I'm looking at it at this point. So especially some of the late round guys. I, I just don't like it when they throw, players away for nothing or draft picks away for nothing 
and they don't need to because they have some, you know, they think that the Packers are going to draft a wide receiver when they're drafting a quarterback. <laughs> like none of the other teams wanted to draft a wide You know, it's, I think they did a fantastic job with hiding their intentions. Yes. And that's credit to the team. And the whole Staley situation was very interesting. It's quite the move with cojones for lunch. Yeah. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm with you on that too. Cause I, I even wrote something the day after the first round. I was like, Oh, the first round sells us that Joe Staley's coming back, but it didn't. They're just really good at, they were good at protecting the integrity of, oh, yeah. of the decision yeah. that he wanted to make. And he, to his credit, um, did a good job of saying, I'm not going to put this out until you got until the draft is over or until you find my replacement or whatever. So, you know, not to tip their hand. So I thought that was great on his part too. I think what we were discussing this on day one with the round table is that he's a team guy and he is going to do, especially in this kind of situation where he's sort of leaving the Niners behind dry to a point. He is not going to do anything that's going to hurt the team. And I think he'll be back in some type of coaching capacity if not this year, then very soon. And he is going to keep that secret a lot closer to the vest than John Lynch and his wife did with Edwards. So <laughs> I've always had a lot of respect for Staley, even though I, I didn't, like I said, didn't really think that he was going to be as elite as he has been and and really a cornerstone of that line for many, many years. And he will be missed, especially yeah, if for sure. you have any injuries on that side of the line. But yeah, I, I don't know what, on earth the Niners were going to do if they weren't able to pull off that Williams trade <laughs> because they would have been in bad, bad trouble. They must have had something else in, in the works because yeah, they, what are they going to do? I mean, you can't lose a guy like that. Yeah, it would have definitely been a, it, it, it feels like it would have been a year of them trying to do what they had to do for a vast majority of the middle of last this year. This team with Super Bowl aspirations can't do that which is not what you, which is not what you want like um i mean it works for a certain extent but i don't know that if it works over 19 games until it really matters in the fourth quarter of the super bowl well and that wasn't staley's fault <laughs> oh, no, 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 no 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 that was an interior problem but that's another another topic for another school time school killed men you drive in the middle of season two so um any other comments about the draft yeah i'll throw in some quick ones for me okay overall i like the late round picks maybe They've just decided they just don't know what to do in the early middle rounds and they like to play slots instead. So maybe they just knew more about the late rounders and just traded back into the later round where players rarely make the team, but whatever. At least with the 49ers, you don't necessarily need to be drafted and you can be a star until Shanahan puts you in the doghouse and then trades you away for nothing. So I did like what they did with their late round selection. So they definitely did some good scouting and good research on that. You know, obviously I like the fact that they brought in an immediate replacement for Staley in all pro tackle on the Washington Redskins, which I really was sure that Shanahan and Snyder hated each other, but I guess maybe that was the kind of call where Lynch was on the phone and Shanahan was sent away. We're far, far away. Yeah. Well, and the the discussion was that it had more to do with um, who was their previous GM, Bruce Allen. 
um, Bruce Allen was really the the man whose name shall never be spoken again in the DC area. <laughs> Sorry, Kurt. That uh, he was driving the the hatred and the dislike for Shanahan more than Snyder was. For everybody yeah. in the world, um, and that <laughs> having Ron Rivera and their new sort of brain trust in there probably helped that move that push that along um that they that they were able to go for it yeah brain trust yeah so they all times well i think at that point it was just like he's not playing for us ever again so get something right <laughs> he's clearly prepared to sit out another year if he needs to so get something for him you don't cur so yeah so i spoke with a bunch of i think i might have told you this but i spoke with a bunch of Kins fans in the area who try to be skins fans because it's a very difficult thing to do <laughs> and i know from being an Orioles fan, imagine. but and actually worse over there that you know, the trent <laughs> williams is not the problem child that he, a lot of the media makes him out to be and he just did not want to play for this team under the management and he said he wanted more money and you know, i guess apparently had you know, a better deal for more money in minnesota and instead decided to go with a team that was better and also didn't have Kirk, don't call me Kirk Cousins. So maybe it's not all about the money. Maybe he liked Shanahan and he knows that Shanahan is going to win football games and he's going to utilize him correctly because he's utilized him correctly before. And it's a little bit more of that Niners aura, maybe. The way that the league the players feel about the franchise that young coach GM who used to be a player, hard hitting player and not just some punter who's not named Mitch <laughs> and you know, a guy who really you know, wants to go out there and hit somebody. He's obviously a player's GM, just like Shanahan is a player's coach. And I think that players want to come to San Francisco because they want to win a Super Bowl and I want them to come to San Francisco so they can win a Super Bowl so I can spend all my money to go to it and please, please win. Please. How refreshing is that? They want to come here. Like, players want to come and play for this team. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. The dislikes was, you know, basically Lynch pulling a Shanahan thinking, hey, if Shanahan can do this, then I can just fall in love with the player and then just waste draft picks moving up to draft him. Like, good work there, bud. Like I said, love the pick, hate the 49ers would just become a now annual process for falling in love and then trading unnecessary draft picks to grab that player and then hope that he's good because in the past they haven't been. But I think that Ayuk has a better chance of being a excellent football player, especially in the latter portion of year one and year two and beyond. And know that they had mentioned that i mean you know how it goes after you make a questionable selection that suddenly oh he's the top guy on our board and, and then suddenly went to well he was really really close to cd lamb and finally the truth comes out he was sold very hard to lynch by his old head coach uh, uh herm edwards the now asu coach herm edwards who is i guess the godfather and his wife the godmother for lynch's two kids so obviously they're very close and he really tried to talk him into picking him up and he did and he paid the price so we will see if it's worth it or not if he's a slam dunk pick we will not remember this and if he is a bust we will remember this forever so 
it's risky. Shanahan and Lynch don't care. You know, they're not playing for us. They're playing to win. And they think this is what is going to make them win. So whether that is the case, we will find out. And I hope that they are correct. And then finally, Reed and Goodwin trades. Don't like it. Sort of skews the whole draft by saying they just media just ignores the fact that they let these two guys go to get earlier round draft picks that weren't even all that great. And it's like you lost all these players. It sort of value. And at some point in this season, we'll look back at this and be like, man, we wish we had player X and player Y. And then essentially using the Buckner pick on his replacement. I just really didn't want, I don't know, maybe that doesn't make any sense. I just did not want them to use the pick that they traded Buckner for on a similar, not as good player who's more of a boom bust kind of guy. I mean, and he's got a lot of boom potential, but it's, I don't know. It's just a bad optics thing. It's like right, less money, not as good. Like that doesn't make your team better. I mean, maybe it allows you to extend Kittle, but beyond that, I just wish they had drafted a guy like that later. Then again, like we just heard from John Pollard, he has some nice measurables and he may exceed expectations. So he's a slam dunk guy, and next Chris Jones and. Again, we'll be like, great pick. <laughs> you know, so it's it's very easy to be critical right now. And, and as our listeners know, particularly for me, because I'm always very quick to point out ways that Shandy and Lynch can improve their processes to make this team better. And often it sounds like criticism, probably because technically it is criticism, but it's <laughs> all in an effort to make this team and franchise that I love so dearly, just a little bit better. Just one win better. And it's not like we're talking about the Packers draft here or anything. We did accumulate some talent and we had some players who can help this year and going forward as well. I'd say the Niners draft glass is two-thirds to three-quarters full. So Overall, I thought that it was a draft that they added talent in some positions. They're better at left tackle as long as he's healthy. They did a pretty good job of filling their needs other than a couple positions. And they might not be better now, but they will hopefully be better for a playoff run. So that's my basic summary. (laughs) Summary. It's a long summary. (laughs) That is a summary of my... 18 hour movie it took longer than the, than the second round, the second and third round of the NFL draft for the 49ers. Oh, no. Hey, there we go. All right. Um, yeah, I think good, good thoughts there. Um, so let's <laughs> <laughs> just shorten it next time. Huh? I don't really have anything else to say because there is nothing else to say. Like what else could be said? Perfect. Um, <laughs> I think, like you said, at this point, it, it's, it's hard to, to really know. Um, I think we'll, we'll know more about this and, you know, towards the end of, of this season and into the next season and beyond, um, lots, of, lots to see what will happen with that. But, um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and finish up our time here with just a quick question. Um, this is a real easy question. You don't have to have a long drawn out answer for this. If you don't want to, I will, uh, um, <laughs> hashtag on brand, my friend, you got it, buddy. What is your favorite draft pick from this class? Chris, we'll start with you. Yeah, I'm here. I'm just thinking. Thinking about it. Yeah, you usually just talk without thinking. I appreciate that. I'm trying to be succinct there. 
Oh, way off brand. I'm going to answer your question with my own question. And it's a bit philosophical. I'm just kidding. I'm just going to sort of answer your question. My favorite draft pick from this class is the one they traded, which doesn't really narrow it down at all. But the pick that they traded to the Washington Redskins for their new starting left tackle, Trent Williams, because they got a player who can be an immediate upgrade, potentially, if he can stay healthy. And I know that you are going to be displeased if this is another one-year rental like Emmanuel Sanders, which it really appears to be, unless he wants to take a significant cut in salary for a reasonable... I, mean, I don't even know how they're going to work a contract because he's two or three years younger than Staley is and... I think he's like five years younger than Staley, actually. He's only 31. Really? Yeah. I thought Staley was like 34 or something like that. No, he'll be th- he's 35. He'll be 30. He would have been 36 before the season. Or he still will be 36 before the season started. Yeah. Well, he looks beautiful for his age. Maybe. Yeah, he's he has a young spirit. But yeah, he's... he's... Maybe it's just singing that just overwhelms me. <laughs> well, sure, we'll go with that. Love the Joe show. I hope he can... Yeah, if, you know, if nothing else, just bring him back for the Joe show. Yeah, making Garoppolo uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, um, there were some good good episodes of that. Definitely gonna miss that guy. Yeah, I think that that would be my favorite pick overall, which wasn't a pick, but was potentially fantastic value. Yeah, and could really make up for the bad value that they wasted trading up unnecessarily in the draft this weekend. <laughs> I, I think that he's going to be a wild card for the team. This upcoming year, and hopefully it works out for him because yeah, it would be really nice to see him in full mauling form because their run game could be something else, even let's Tevin Coleman back. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think it, you got to factor it in. It wasn't a, a draft pick per se, but it, it it certainly played into how effective this this weekend was for them. If if Staley retires and they don't make this. Uh, this trade, then you're looking at it and going, oh, great. So what are we looking at here? I mean, Justin School is going to be our left tackle, or is this new kid that we got out of West Virginia going to you know start at left tackle, or what? You know, it wasn't. It was a. It was definitely a a risky move, as you alluded to earlier, to to let um one of the top tackles go in the first round, knowing that they could have locked that somebody like that in for the next five years. And not knowing exactly what Trent Williams is going to do beyond this year, um, the conversation seems to be that he wants to wait on on contract uh, talk uh, at this point, which you know seems reasonable. Like just you know play out your um, play out the the deal that you got. Although there is the sort of inherent risk of of getting hurt this year or something bad happening, and then you're out of luck. Um, but it could be a kind of thing where they're going to work through this as the summer goes along, or we'll see. But the initial conversation was that they're not going to talk about it like right now. So we'll see. But yeah, I'm definitely with you. As I said before, trading from going from 13 years of, of a pro bowl left tackle, a uh, potential future hall of famer to at least, you know, maybe one, hopefully more years of another pro bowl left tackle. Um, I think that's, that's good business for sure. Um, for, for me, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Ioke pick. I know that we were given a little bit of a, of, of a bad rap, but um, he, looking at, at what he was able to do at uh, Arizona State, um, 
it seems to me that they found a guy who can who can do some of the things that the 49ers asked of Emmanuel Sanders during his time here. Um, and then obviously he's several years younger than Emmanuel Sanders and um, he has an opportunity to, to find a place to go immediately. Now, um, as you alluded to, um, or as you said, actually, not even allude to it, but you said earlier in the podcast. Do I, do I allude to anything? No, you never, never, never. That's I've never accused you of that. Um, <laughs> as you you noted earlier, is what I mean to say. Um, there's going to be uh, some growing pains, of course, uh, because first of all, Shanahan has like one of the most complicated offensive schemes in the NFL, and it um, it notably takes players a long time to sort of grasp. Um, there's the whole conversation, you know, the whole Matt Ryan thing and how it took him a whole year to get it. And he's the quarterback and obviously he needs to know a lot more. Um, but even receivers coming in and, you know, one of the benefits of trading for Sanders in the first place last year was that he was already in a similar scheme. And so he'd be able to pick up things faster and he was able to sort of fly in and jump in immediately. Um, so I, I expect, um, because Ayuk has some of the same, um, sort of elusivity skills that 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 Debo does. That there's going to be some of that gadget stuff that you were talking about earlier, because um, that if you remember, that's what they did with with Debo at the beginning of last year. He wasn't a major player in the passing game and as a sort of traditional receiver role um, much during the first you know eight to ten weeks of the of the season. I think he had one early game where he had over a hundred yards, like week four or something like that. Um, but other than that, he was, you know, yeah, his a dot was pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. He was sort of middling around that, you know, 40 to 60 yards per game on a couple of catches type of thing. It wasn't a major deal, but then obviously what they were able to do is build up his role as the season went along. And by the time we got to the playoffs, he was basically, you know, their number two passing option and also their number two rushing option at the same time. Um, and I think that is, as you know, as you noted, a similar role that um, that Ayuk is going to take on. And really, what that does is it it ratchets up the pressure on the defense and pulls the pressure away from you know Debo in his second year and from Kittle, who took a major pounding <laughs> last year um, in order to as their number one option. And I think the the goal here is to build more options into the offense. And yeah, teams know they have to pay attention to. Uh, the running game, obviously the Packers don't care whether or not we, we have a good running game or not. They're just going to draft, you know, quarterbacks that may never play for their team um, <laughs> in the first round hmm. um, and that sort of thing. But having the more that you build in, so you stack players on t- uh, skill on, on top of skill. And so I think, yeah, would it be great if we had a bunch of different types of receivers who did a bunch of different types of things? And sure, if we had Julio Jones on this team, it'd be great and all this kind of stuff. But I think duplicity of skill doesn't mean that one person is is like completely removed from from the equation. It just means that you have to pay attention to more people on the field. So if you have Kittle and you have Ayuk and you have Debo and you have Mostert in the backfield and you have, I don't know, born or or jennings or heard or any of these other options that they have you don't need to go there (laughs) what i'm saying is you have to pay attention to to the things that these guys can do because you don't know is deba going to run in the backfield and get the ball or is i going to come in or is he going to go or is he going to fake that i mean there's just adding these skills is going to make it harder for defenses to figure out what's going on i think is the big thing oh no no. i was just kidding around about (laughs) i I know it's like suddenly he went from those guys like this guy's never gonna make the team to like he's our number two wide receiver and i'm like (laughs) And and notably, our highest paid wide receiver on the team right now. Oh, that's just sad. Um, 
<laughs> so so those are those are my my thoughts and that's why I like the the Ayuk pick. I think he he looks like a good and exciting player and I'm I'm excited to see what Shanahan's going to do with him this this year and then past that. Yeah, just to make it very very clear that I like him too as a player and from the film that I've watched on all their players, he's my favorite so far. So like I said, I like the pick, I just don't like the process and Lynch and Shannon are going to have to learn that they need to stop falling in love with players because they're not that much better than other players. It's just not the way that it works. And it's interesting to me. I mean, I thought this was just like an entire Shanahan thing with certain players. And then, you know, the Solomon Thomas thing was also obviously the, the Lynch. You know, we went to college together, whatever. But I think that Lynch really is playing a more active role in, in some of these crazy trades that are unnecessary. So I think they might need a consultant of some sort to come in there and just try to get these two guys, um, maybe not in there. I don't know where they were. They, <laughs> they were in, that, they were in several places right? this time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So somewhere in the internet, <laughs> but they make some of these moves and you're just like, what are they doing? <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. And the other team, the other side, they be like, man, we took them to the cleaners. You know, and I just, I don't like that. I'm all about, this is a great team. We need to perfect a few things and then we can win one more game. You know, so get better and recognize your mistakes. I know you're not good at that, Shanahan. <laughs> you very well may be good at recognizing your mistakes, but you are horrible <laughs> at admitting them to the public. Yeah. Which, you know, which is fine. You know, I mean, if, as long as you get it, it's cool. You know, like, don't admit fault. That's fine. You, know, you, want, you want your players to trust you and you want the confidence and all that kind of fun stuff. But what I would give is sit down with him at some point and just ask him if he understands or not. Or if he just thinks that he's just like, no, it's, <laughs> everything I do is right, no matter what it is. Maybe. You know? Well, if yeah, you if you do that, please please uh, call me and uh, let me uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. join in on the conversation, just because it'd be great. Let, let me let me uh, text him right now. Sure, great. Um, but, uh, con- consequently, um, fun video. If you'd like, uh, go find the video of I, th- I don't know who played it. It was either on ESPN or the NFL Network that showed when uh, the IOC pick came in, and Shanahan was really excited. Um, and he's in, in his office with his kids and around him and he gets really excited and he's like fist pumping and then he goes to high five somebody and he realizes there's nobody yeah. there to high five. Cause, Cause all of his family um, members left him. <laughs> it was pretty funny. No, his kids were behind him. He was facing the other oh. direction. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought maybe they were like, oh, what are you guys doing? <laughs> no, 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 no. He's, He was just like, yeah, like really excited. And he would, and he just kind of played it off and just kind of went back into a fist pump. Um, you you know, he handled it pretty well for the most part, but it was pretty funny. All right. Um, well, as always, thanks for listening to the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. As always, please check us out on your favorite podcasting platform and uh, leave us a nice review and share the uh, podcast with your 49er fan friends. And definitely hit that subscribe button because um, we like seeing those numbers come in and we like uh, seeing that you're listening and engaging with the podcast yeah, for it, sure. I'm, don't know if you want to mention that yeah, the numbers have just been uh, yeah. off the charts lately. So please, please, please continue this Absolutely. upward trajectory. It's been really cool to see. And we want to thank all of you who are listening for uh, for your support. And we'll continue to bring you best 49ers podcast that, uh, that we can each time out. So we will see you next week, Niner fans. Have a good one. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.